Hi, everyone. Welcome to The Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Ash Thorpe. In this episode, we have photographer and filmmaker Tim Sessler on the show with us. Tim and I discuss his creative exploration between narrative and poetic art in his work. We also talk about Tim's viewpoint on being authentic and exploring different ways to tell a story through the art of photography. Tim also shares his viewpoint on his relationship with New York City and how it's played a big role in his career thus far. So let's begin, everyone. Episode 182 with Tim Sessler. Let's roll. Yeah, so thank you so much for coming on the show. It's um like as I mentioned earlier, it's uh it's it was really great being able to come across your work from Ozan. Like Ozan kinda um he reminded me of your work. I think the first thing I had seen was Balance, the piece that you had done in the cities. I think Balance was like a combination of aerials that you had done composed from I think some of it was LA and then some of it was New York, or was it all New York? I can't remember. No, no, it was actually all New York. Um some of it was shot from a helicopter over Manhattan, and then the other stuff was um, drone coverage over Brooklyn and like the more like industrial parts, like the the cemeteries and back alleys. Uh, yes, it's uh, really awesome. And I was going to ask you that, like, wow, it's crazy that you got that high up there, and I couldn't imagine with the drone <laughs> because I know it's like there's all kinds of legalities and stuff that are super tricky. Um, yeah, yeah, it's actually, yeah, it's actually really funny. Like a lot of people still ask me if if all the like empire state stuff was shot with a drone um the film actually played at the new york drone film festival mm. a year ago and Everybody's kind of jealous. felt that yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're using the biggest drone so yeah no, but yeah. It, i think the the thing that really captures m- me f- with your work is just your ability to uh, capture a mood and i think it's um, I think it's, it's something similar and I don't know if this is good or I, I imagine it would be good. It's, it's, it's akin to what I get when I watch Kenneth Scotsy or Sam Sarah mm. or something, um, which I'm, I'm assuming those are inspirations of yours. Sam's, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And all that stuff. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the stuff that, um, Godfrey Reggie and Ron Frick have been doing together is pretty incredible. I mean, that's, that's definitely one, one of the biggest inspirations and, in, yeah, I mean, they, they've been doing pretty unique stuff. Um, and I think it's similar to, to a certain way to, to my work where it is very like technical and, and very gear focused in, in a certain way, but hopefully without being too heavy ended or like only about the gear. I mean, I think it's so important to to balance those two, to, to really push the cinematography in, in a way Um but not sacrificing the, the emotional storytelling of it. And I think, I mean, Korean Skatsi, forget when, when that was actually made, but the, um, yeah. yeah, yeah, I think like probably the, the late eighties or so. Yeah. It's, um, it was, uh, 1983. It was when I was born, wow. same year I was born wow. 35 years wow. ago. Jesus. Yeah. 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 I mean like the, the it's moving, <laughs> I guess you'd call it hyperlapse now, like that they were doing on film back then. I mean, that's that's crazy. Yeah, it's insane and it's so cool. I mean, yeah, yeah. I think I mean even, even what they did back then, like it hasn't been replicated to or as tastefully. Color. Yeah, uh, I think exactly. that I think exactly. I'm glad that you mentioned it because the way you brought it up is is perfect. Because yeah, there's got to be a balance between 
the gear porn and then like actually making art. And I think that is really, really important. My year was wrong. Sorry. It was 1982. So it's a year prior earlier before. So yeah, it's like, um, for Keanu Scottsy. So, um, and for people that are watching are hearing this and they're not like, what is this they're talking about? It's, it's a, it's a, I guess like a photo documentary kind of widespread examination of the human condition and spirit and earth and just an observation a big observational eye basically very very uh it's like watching um a nature show without david attenborough's voice and then (laughs) in a nice mix i would guess um and it's spelled k-o-y-a-a-n-i-s-q-a-t-s-i we'll have links for this as well so but it's yeah there's quite a few too there's chronos um there's baraka and samsara um mm. and there's a couple other branch offs from there as well too but they're all really great i just rewatched a couple of them the other day and uh yeah there's so much mood to them and it's just so awesome <laughs> but it's like i mentioned I, I i feel um a connection between what you make and what they've been making, which is, um, I'm glad that you find that as a compliment because I would, because it's pretty awesome. I think, especially what they've been doing for all those years, but you're right. It's a nice blend between the, the technological side and then the, the artistic side. And how, how do you go about balancing that? Are you keeping that in mind the entire time of creativity or in creating it, or it's just something that kind of flows as you go about making what you're doing? Yeah. I mean, it, definitely kind of depends on, on on the project a bit um a lot of my personal work actually um has like a very like gear driven background so um most of the films like street balance um the light they are all um made in collaboration with uh, freefly systems the the guys that are making the movie stabilizer and oftentimes they send me some of the like latest tech new gear new new toys give me a small budget and just let me do whatever i want to do so amazing um jealous super jealous (laughs) (laughs) those are good people over there too we know brad um, so brad's great yeah yeah no i mean they're they're amazing people um and so i i think oftentimes it kind of starts with the tech in in a certain way that you have a tool and you're kind of trying to figure out how you can push it in, in a new way. I mean, for streets, for example, it was like, well, we have an RC car that we can put a movie stabilizer on top. What can we do with it? And the obvious thing would be to just do like a dolly replacement. But the crazy thing about it is you can go actually really fast with it. You can go 30, 35 to 40 miles an hour. Yeah, it's crazy. And so we put a small phantom mirror camera on there to shoot a thousand 200 frames, I believe. Yeah, 2,000 um, frames, yeah, 1,500 yeah. frames, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the, the effect that you get from it is, is really amazing. I mean, suddenly you can, like, we were literally just shooting with two people. It was me um, and my camera operator, Brad Meyer. Um, yeah. We were just roaming around New York for a couple of days and just capturing New York, like, as it happened. I mean, literally just a person passing on the street, a fire hydrant that is turned on, a dog running in a dog park. Very like normal things, but you could suddenly capture it in a way that I've never seen it before, which is pretty, pretty amazing. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Your work gives a, a, I think that's what it is. It's an ethereal look at things by merging the 
the the newest or latest or unique perspective based on the technology that's around and then at the same time like it still has an artistic thing my favorite shot in that streets one is like the four looking twins (laughs) are those like four (laughs) girls that are standing there it's like watching a painting move it's weird because yeah, it yeah, the, yeah. the frames per second and all their attention looking at it because i imagine it's probably weird it's like this little like uh i don't know rc car with a camera attached to it it's got to be kind of <laughs> right, an uncommon right. thing um, right, right but no it, it's it's I, I i would say that's what i get when i experience your work it's it's got a really great blend between what is the most it's it's like uh i don't know like sometimes i think you imagine you probably get that same feeling when you go out and make something in real time and then you're sitting in the edit bay or just looking back at your footage and you're like you get that buzz of like wow i've never seen things like this this is really weird i'm able to adjust time or um Mm. warping things in a sense or 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 like um that like that hitchcock kind of like um pushing in the zoom thing i I don't know we call that um wreck Dolly yeah, thing, like whatever. Dolly zoom or vertigo effect. Yes, vertigo. That's it. Yeah, um, which is really cool. Like you see it. You've seen it in films, but you haven't seen it from like an aerial perspective through like different. Um, I don't know. It's 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 clever and it's subtle and it's subtleties, which I think is really, really awesome. You know. So, yeah, it's the energy. No, I no. I mean, it's, it. yeah, it's definitely definitely fun to just experiment with those new things and. I don't know. I mean, I guess sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. And it's it's cool when, when all those elements come together and you're able to bring collaborators on like for balance. Like I had Brandon Bray, who's a really good friend of mine, and he, he helped me shoot some of it and then did the edit on it. It's it's incredible to to see like you have an idea that might be pretty far out there and you try something new and then in the edit, it all kind of comes together and finally makes sense. It's yeah, it's a pretty gratifying feeling for sure. It's one of the best things I think about making um, this kind of art form because uh, I traditionally come from like um, drawing or painting medium and getting mm-hmm. more into photography and videography and filmmaking and stuff is such a, it's such a big odyssey really. It's, it's a huge quest. It's so different. I think than um, the other mediums in that sense where it's there's so much what if and there's so much intangibles and weird oddities that happen that you just kind of have to embrace it and I think the more you're willing to embrace it and then kind of think out the, outside the box especially if you're making like poetic art which I would consider um, your work to be very poetic and, uh, and an art form that's like that I don't know if that's uh, what you're going for but that's what I get when I when I look at your work I guess you know so no, hundred percent. I mean, it's funny because so many people like I feel like every person that sees the the work kind of sees it in a different way. Um, some just see it as like a test video or something, which what whatever. I mean, it is what it is. But then other people actually have like a really strong emotional connection to it and see either a deeper meaning, see a storyline, whatever it might be, and, and have like a really personal connection with it, which is. That's amazing. I mean, some some of the feedback um, been getting just from from people on Vimeo. Um, it's really incredible. I mean, that's that's really cool. Like if, if if you can make something and another person somewhere across the world might not even speak English or or the, the same language, um, 
get something like visceral and emotional from it. Like that's that's the that's the best thing that that could happen. Yeah, no, definitely. I I couldn't agree more. There's a um I think it was um Tom York or it was like an interview with Radiohead and they were saying that um their one of their saddest moments of making their music is the release part of it because once you put mm. it out there it becomes the world, you know? Right. Um, and um it's just something I've always thought about and and it's got to be an interesting thing for you as well, especially since um you mentioned you have like a a spiritual or a connection to your your work and um how's that process for you with releasing it do you do you enjoy the release part of it or once it is it when a project's out do you acknowledge it still or um how, how do you take in the positive and the negative do you get negative like how does it work for you oh, um <laughs> <laughs> it's a loaded question it's a lot of stuff yeah in there. no 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 it's it's a really tough one um because I feel like that the whole cycle of creating, I mean, it's that there's so much Im- emotional weight that you put into it. And my, my wife kind of always describes it as this like roller coaster that I'm going where it's like, let's, let's call it the depression, but it's like nearly like ups and downs of like, you make something during the shoot. It's like the high at the end, you feel like you didn't get anything and it's a complete low and then you go back up during the editing process and at the end you hate it all and you still put it out there <laughs> so it's it's like this this never ending cycle that um i don't know yeah no it's very it's, true i think that everybody that's listening to this that's a creative uh, knows if from all mediums knows exactly what you're talking about if they're trying i think it's all about like if you're really trying and you're putting yourself out there and you have your I mean, I don't know. I've encountered some creators who are just like, "Oh yeah, it's all good." And I'm like, well, "I don't. How's that even? How's that even work?" <laughs> no. Like, no. I think I think the art, the art is hard. You know, I think art is pain. Art has pain to it. It's a part of the process, which makes it awesome. Um, yeah, but it's also super. I don't know. It's just what it is. Really, it's part of the journey. I have the same thing. Um, and encountering one of my I think the things I don't like most about it is you gotta you have to share the work to stay relevant right but you also want to make sure like you share it with like the people that hopefully become a tribe of yours you know like you become a tribe creative tribe I guess but yeah then the people that aren't you're just like oh man sucks you know the people that don't either don't get it or are just I don't know, trolling you or whatever, but I guess that, you know, that's just a part of it, especially now more than ever, I think given the internet and the spectrum of sharing things on the internet, um, complete strangers. Um, well, I mean, I, I partially agree, but at the same time, um, I feel like for me that the main outlet is Vimeo and I feel like it's, it's been such an amazing community. I mean, first of all, that the guys, the work at Vimeo are incredible, but then also all the the users. I, I've never in my life had a negative experience over there. Wow, cool. Um, which is is pretty cool. I mean, especially when, when once you look at like YouTube and a lot of the blogs. I mean, like sometimes I look at the comments um, when when like a big blog picks up some of the work, and it's just pointless. Like the the comments that people write are just insulting and. It, it just doesn't it doesn't have any purpose um but on, on vimeo i mean it's it's been only positive and i feel like i've, I've been able to kind of build an audience and what do you call it, like that tribe over there um 
yeah. where, where people like it seems to be like a really valuable and, and just positive community, um, which is awesome. Yeah, I think with um, Vimeo from because I use Vimeo as well, I think it's mostly akin to just it's filmmakers and it's kind of an auteur place, I think. And then I think with like um, YouTube, it's just everybody. It's just general right. everybody. And I think that's right. why you get like the very highs and the very, it's very polarized, I think, on, on those social networks, I think. But I think um, in my perspective, I think YouTube is stronger. It's becoming stronger because of its ad- adaptation and its ability to connect um, mm-hmm. things. I think that's been... I, I like Vimeo. I've been using Vimeo for since the beginning, um, but I've noticed that I think Vi- YouTube is starting to take hold and really starting to push everything. Um, but yeah, it's it's it's. I think it's also really hard to kind of figure out. Okay, where am I going to share this work and why and how is this going to happen? <laughs> like you know, and like basically getting your work out there because I guess um, I know how it works for you, but I think the more eyes on your work, the more you, you're able to do what you want to do. Um, but I, I mean, a lot of these projects are based on companies like FreeFly coming to you and saying, here's some gear, go make something cool. And then right. from that comes uh, what I would imagine is paying jobs, which is like commercials or, you know, somebody from a bigger company would see balance, for example, and like, oh, can you make something like that for us or whatever? Is that kind of how it works for you? Um, it's a mix of it, to be honest. Um, th- I mean, definitely from the beginning on, like I... I feel like I can like build my career as a commercial DP on on Vimeo. So like basically every single paid project that I got was you could link back to to some personal project that I did. The big beginning to smaller projects like still shooting on like 7D and then 5D Mark III like early like DSLR days and I feel like it just grew from there. Um, and honestly, it's a mix. I mean, for the longest time, it was even like even though my, my personal work was fairly stylized and like you said, like, like visual poetry, I would get like the complete, like polar opposite of work. Like it would be like, branded <laughs> dark spots. It would just be soul sucking and, and not, not too much fun to, to shoot. Um, but I feel like it's slowly getting better. And like, I mean, obviously like even meeting Ozon, like for example, he saw balance in a, and then Porsche spot that I shot on, on Vimeo and, reached out to me for, for the Viper shoot, which was incredible. I mean, like just having that kind of opportunity to actually meet such talented directors and have the chance to actually work with them. Um, that's amazing. And then, um, last year, like got onto an Apple job. Um, that was actually very similar to what we did for streets. Um, they, they wanted to shoot something for, for a big screen in, in the new um, Chicago Apple store that just opened last year. And it was really cool, like awesome. seeing literally all of my stills and all of my like, work as, as their reference and then doing it on a bigger scale instead of using an RC car and two people actually having a full union crew and a <laughs> Cineflex helicopter or shot over a helicopter. Oh, and, man, budgets. Um, yeah. Budgets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, but I mean, that's, that's obviously the dream is to, to do something that you love and then do something similar, um, for, for a good client, um, that uh, you actually feel passionate about. Yeah, no, totally agree. Um, and that's awesome. That's great to hear about Apple. I mean, that's, it makes sense. It's a nice merger. I would imagine people at Apple that are spearheading some of the creative would be fans of your work. 
And that's cool getting to work with Ozan and stuff because Ozan's great and he has such a vision and he, his, his, um, are they Pennzoil? I can't remember if they're Pennzoil. Yeah. 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 Pens the, yeah. The Pennzoil stuff that he's done is just ridiculous. It's so crazy. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, Ozan and I talk all the time. And so we're always, cause we're, we're totally DIY like filmmaker guys. So we're constantly, uh, <laughs> sharing the uh, links on like, Oh, look at this camera gear, or this thing. Now it's, it's really cool. We have a lot of fun. Um, just sharing kind of camera knowledge and tips and tricks and things that we learned through the, the years and the journey of doing this stuff. So yeah, it's awesome. And getting to work with other directors is always really interesting too. Um, just because you get a chance to kind of, um, I mean, being a DP, you get a chance to kind of, you're very intimately connected with your director um, right. and being able to really take what they have in their eye and their mind and, and really capture it really. Um, which with, through the technique of photography, which is really interesting. Uh, how long you've been doing a uh, photography? for um it's a good question um, it's kind of like a fluid thing that that kind of just happened um like after high school um i sort of got into it and didn't really know what to study after school and um one of the things that I was interested um was was filmmaking but it's more like a director thing like I feel like as any like filmmaker that doesn't really have any experience in, in the film world, you just want to be a director. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I applied to like, I was still living in Germany um, and I applied to like the film Academy and to, to actually apply there, you need to make a 10 minute film to give you a theme or like some word that you have to follow. And I made a film. Um, I wrote the script and directed it, had a, DP and it was basically my, my first short film and the piece just sucked. I mean, it was not great. <laughs> and I feel like that, that was kind of like the point where I was like, I just need to take all the money that I have, um, buy a, a 7D and because I couldn't afford a 5D back then, um, bought one lens and just went out there and started shooting. What, that, lens? That, that was, what lens did you get? <laughs> <laughs> um, it was a um, Nikon Nikkor, the, uh, the 1.2. Ooh, yes, nice. Um, what range on that? Um, it's a 50 mil. 50 mil 1.2. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I hear good things about those Nikors. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're beautiful, yeah. and I think just for for like literally just having one lens, like it was was pretty amazing. I mean, think about it for like. 300 years in south korea on ebay and <laughs> it's cool i mean it's just an in, interesting way to to get started and i literally just went out by myself with a tripod and the camera and just started shooting as much as i could and actually tried to to capture images that would make me feel something i guess that's that's really what i was after and that's what i was missing with that first short film that i made it's just it was well shot it was it was all decent, but it just didn't make me feel anything at the end of the day. Mm. And I guess that that's what really got me into it um, at the beginning. That's awesome. I love it. Yeah. I mean, it's really cool to hear that because I think that's really the journey for all of us, really. You know, we got to start somewhere. And I would think with photography is you take just tons of shitty photos. It's kind of how it works. You don't just pick up a camera and just instantly get gold all the time. And I think that feeling that you're talking about, um, I would put that as akin to some sort of uh 
storytelling. I think we are very big into storytelling as humans. And I think creating some sort of uh, narrative in your work, I think, or a mood or tone, tone is usually what makes brings value to photography. Mm. I think one of my, I always, you know, coming from an illustrator painter kind of person in the beginning, I would always say, look at photography as being like, eh, like how hard is that? You learn the tool and then you take a photo big deal. You know, like that was like my big stupid thing that I used to say and think about, you know, in regards to photography, right. which is true to a certain extent. But when you get into really great photography, it's not at all like really great photography. I think as I've been learning is totally an art form in itself, and it depends on what you're after. Some some photographers are after ca- capturing like perfectly lit studio, like totally dry kind of stuff. And then some people are into capturing crazy, candid, weird instances that happen sp- sporadically, you know. Right. And then some some people love landscapes and nature and trying to capture that in the same kind of energy. Um, but it is interesting, isn't it? When you you could you could take two photographers, you, you can give them the same exact equipment say hey go out in here and shoot this tree and you're going to get two totally different tonal energies from it what is mm. that <laughs> what is that that's the weirdest thing I, I love it but it's i'm all i'm still trying to figure that out like wow that is what what do you what is that to you that what would that be it's interesting yeah i'm not sure what it i mean it's <laughs> you know like if, if if you look at really good work out there like sometimes the the greatest work it just feels so simple and like what you just said about like photography it's like well what's the big deal like you just took a photo and it's like it's the same with film like the the really good stuff out there it's just there's there's something effortless about greatness sometimes yeah it's it's really interesting um but yeah it's it's a good question i not not sure if I have, if I have the, the perfect answer for it. I don't think anybody does. I think that's the key of it, and that's what makes it so. Like the thing I love about art is it's enigma. It's constantly like in my head. I'm trying to figure it out constantly. Like, well, why is that one better than that one? And I'm constantly. I've been doing art my entire life, and I still find it fascinating to constantly be questioning everything. <laughs> Because I think you should, you should never be saying, well, that's art because it's art. Like, well, what's that mean? Or that's great because it's great. People are like, you know, Roger Deakins is the best. Well, why is he the best? Like what <clears throat> makes him the best? And and what what is it about his work? And when you really get down and start to study the granular, you just start to realize that like he's, he's somebody that's very proactive, has been doing it for a long time and has like, uh, it's like a limb to him, I would imagine, you know, he knows he knows what the words are in the script and what the actors are doing and how to support that best through the art of light and capturing light. And I think that's, to me, that's what I've kind of summed it up as. And I think, like, as you mentioned, and I think I'm at that same point right now, you're years ahead of me, but I'm at the point where I just go out at night and I just capture what I see the best that I can to get those mm. moments. And I think photography for me, and I don't know if you're the same way, I imagine you are based on your work is, Photography for me has been a way of enlightenment. It allows, it makes me get out of my office and my computer and go out and see the world that I have never seen before because I have a piece of gear that helps me look for it, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's one of my favorite things about it. 
other thing I love about it is it's the, the thing I don't like is it's very expensive and it's, <laughs> but the, the, the counter side to that is once you get your gear, everything is free. Mm, which, that's true. Which is insane because if you think about it, most things aren't like that in life. You, you, you continually pay for it. Right. But I think with photography, if you, if you get a good body and you get a set, good set of glass, you're really set. Like there's nothing getting in the way of your, of you being able to capture anything that you want, you know? So, but yeah. And it also gives you so much access. I mean, just like whether you like take a camera, let's say to India or so, and you just walk around and like you suddenly, like you might not have anything to talk to, um, to, to a certain person, but suddenly like just by having that camera, like it gives you an excuse to like actually interact with that person. It gives you the excuse to take a photo and I don't know, to kind of like get a much more meaningful human experience. Um, it's really interesting. Like it, it opens up so many doors and I feel like, especially in like, like documentary photography and filmmaking. Um, but even like the, the stuff that I've been doing around New York, I mean, you literally, you just have a camera and, that's just your excuse to 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 meet people and 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 to capture those those moments it's pretty pretty amazing i mean there, there's, there's something really wonderful about that yeah it is there is something interesting there is an energy and something i want to talk about with you as well as um something i've noticed in your work and i think in everybody's work um when you have a camera i think cameras used to have a, a much stronger impact on society before like say phones had cameras and all these other things mm. carried them. And when somebody would see somebody with a, a, um, a photographer with a camera, there would be this certain, there's still, there still is a certain thing. I've, I, I'm walking around with my DSLR and, and my 7200. It's a very big lens. People are like, right. what, what this guy is serious about photography. Obviously I don't want them to know I'm there, but that's just how what happens. Um, right. I would wish that I didn't even need the thing. I could just take a photo with my eyes the way I saw it. But, um, yeah, there's, there's an interesting energy that it, there's an exchange between the observer and the observed basically. And, um, what's your thought on that? And do you, do you, in a perfect scenario, would you like to be completely in, um, like anonymous or do you like having that energy in your, in your work being seen? <laughs> I'd say it definitely depends on the project. Sure, um, sure. That's right. Yeah. If I only would have one answer, I, I would probably say um, be a nom- uh, be, be hidden in anonymous. Um, just partially because I'm, I'm an introvert and I feel like just being out there and observing people with your camera, there, there, there's something really amazing about it i mean um not sure if you saw the the piece moment said it mm-hmm. um which that was a pretty big camera rig it was two people and it was me running around with an easy rig and movie and essentially what we tried to do is, is like a street photography style but in like basically carried over to video and I think it's really amazing like the some of the moments that that we were able to capture of just people like being in the zone just being being there but not being there at all not even recognizing us even though i was running around them with this giant camera 
there's something mm-hmm. really beautiful about that because it's so innocent. It's such a like unique and such a personal moment of that specific person. So definitely in, in those cases, being not recognized, being invisible is, is, is beautiful. And I feel like it's, I mean, definitely has something to do with our society and the way technology is changing our, um, our world right now. It was like one of the first pieces that I shot in New York City was um, a little audio visual ex- experiment called Bending Sounds. Mm. And I was just running around with the 7D um, and a glide cam back then mm-hmm. um, and just walking for, I think we shot in like two hours, um, just that. walking through through like subway tunnels in, in, in New York City. And literally people just didn't see the camera i mean they just pass by and it just feels like you're just walking through the tunnel as a normal person people don't pay attention to you and they, they don't really pay attention to the camera it was really odd looking back at that footage it was like how do people not see that how how are they not freaked out that they're being filmed there um <laughs> it's very odd it's kind of cool because i think like you can just you just get what you want. I and mean, I think that's um, the one thing I do when I go out and take photography like this is especially now with the Sony as a flip screen, I, I can shoot with my camera, not in my face basically. So they could look right. at my face. And so I can act like I'm not doing anything like I'm on my phone or something and I'm just moving with it running, you know? <laughs> so I'll have one hand on the <laughs> camera <laughs> running it. And then I'm looking at my phone and that way I'm disarming them from, from the situation. Um, and I just got one of those uh, Zayun Crane twos for the gimbal. And I, I go walking around with the gimbal as well because I love that feel. Um, it's so cool seeing your work because I'm like, oh, this is great. Like you're very similar the way that you approach these things, which I thought was really cool. So I'll have to share some of this. Stuff. I'm going to Japan at the end of the month. And so I'm bringing it with me there and that's just going to be lots of fun off to share what I get there because there, I think it's a very unique place to film. I don't know if you've been, have you filmed or been to Japan? No, no, I haven't been. I really want to go feel like visually and and culturally that it's such an interesting place. Oh, you're going to love it. It's awesome. It's very safe and very clean and, and they're very accepting of photography too, I think. So, which is really cool. So um, yeah, I'm excited for that. Cause the last thing, I mean, I, I imagine New York is just really crazy. That's <laughs> a right. really crazy city. It's another thing I wanted to talk about because New York is, is a character in all your work. It's such a big part of your work. Um, and New York itself has so much, uh, has a patina, I guess that's the word I'm going for. Um, I guess that's the nicest word I can go for. I'm not a big person. I'm not a big city person, to be honest. And um, it drives me crazy. Um, so, but I like. I don't mind visiting it. I've been to New York quite a few times and visiting it. It's quite crazy. But I get very overwhelmed. You mentioned you're an introvert, so I imagine it's got to be interesting for you being there and shooting there. Yeah. Right, right. No, I mean, I think, I mean, after being there for four years, I feel like New York City is a great place to visit, not the best place to live. Um, <laughs> and that, 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 that's just me personally. Sure, um, sure. But yeah, I mean, it, there's so much going on. It's constant noise, constant hustle. And it's so interesting. I mean, like 
you can read the the city in so many different ways and i feel like from from my personal experience at the beginning i was really excited to be there um i think you can kind of see that in my work as well mm. and then over time it just got more and more frustrated to the point that it actually reflected in in my work as well um just seeing that the city more and more <sighs> near, nearly uh, as this like aggressor like a, it's just like aggressive place of like people bundled it's something that doesn't really feel natural and i don't know yeah that sh- shouldn't really be but still still is yeah still is and it's very dominantly is too i feel like there's a definitely a every city has its own tonal energy i think and it's based on the people that live there um the climate the just the overall tone of the society and stuff but yeah new york definitely has i mean it's so different from say san francisco for example right there's right. a totally different feel to those cities and being able to capture that um is really awesome i think and and i think the I think these pieces like, um, say it's like bending sounds, which, um, you explained, um, I feel like when I watch our experience, I wouldn't even say I watch it. I experience because it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a an experience. Basically it's, it's almost like, um, a waking dream because of the, the ethereal camera moves, you know, the smoothness of it. But there's also like, I feel all the dirt. <laughs> if that makes sense. Like I, I feel like I'm in there, um, with you in a sense. Um, yeah, I don't know if that's because of the this the flow or the camera moves and stuff too, but um, there's definitely like a, a an experience of being lived in that space. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. which is really kind of trippy. So yeah, yeah, but you you definitely um, I think there's a total difference from like say New York in comparison to say like Tokyo or something. Tokyo is right. it, it 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 seems very weird that it is happening, but it's it makes sense and it's like it's not as much of a fight i think whereas in new york i think it's it's still relatively a new city if you think about it it's it's old but it's still still quite new and it's, i think it's still working through its kinks and yeah um yeah and you you've been there this whole time so you you were there during 911 and all that stuff no no i actually wasn't um i moved um 2011 okay um from from Germany to actually DC at the time um, because my wife um, was working in DC and then we moved up to uh, Philly in 2012 and then up to New York in 2013 and I actually just left the city for good last year mm. um, by the place upstate in, in the Catskills and so we're holding on to our um, Brooklyn apartment for a while but just didn't really make sense to mm. to hold on to not working too much in new york and when i'm working there it's it's much easier to just rent an airbnb or stay at a friend's place or get a hotel or yeah yeah it's a very expensive place to live too so if it's not beneficial there it's like yeah it doesn't make sense yeah it's a really interesting place so it's changing a lot i think bill burr said it pretty funny he said like the hipsters are turning into like our, our bed, bath and beyond or something. <laughs> Brooklyn's <laughs> turned into bed, bath and beyond or something like that. Um, which is interesting. I mean, it's just a, it's just a, you put a lot of people together, all those cultures. I mean, you have everything from like Hasidic Jews to like mm. super like, um, just like gangsters and like all kinds of madness. It's just 
really it's got a really interesting patina to that whole city but i'm curious to see what it's going to happen or what what it's going to do to your art to be away from new york because i think so much of your work is featuring new york and what new york is and that energy and that because i mean you know new york is um, very photogenic too that's that's for sure there's so much um, tone and texture in that city um, for sure, and the for weather sure. is but, fucking crazy there. You guys get some of the most epic weather. My buddy Toros lives out there, and he's always sending me photos. I'm like, man, look at those clouds. I live in like San Diego area, so it's like we just get like a lot of sunshine and beautiful, good weather. So I right. shouldn't I shouldn't bitch about it. But I used to live on the East Coast too, so I know about that weather. It's just right. bonkers. You get crazy weather over there. So no, yeah. but I think that's that's part of it. Yeah, what makes it really interesting as well. I mean, personally. Like growing up in Germany, like it, it's a very similar weather to to the East Coast. Mm. Like personally, I, I could never live without seasons. Mm. To to me, it's so important to go through the winter, to go through this dark time, to go back into spring and summer and fall. I don't know. Like yeah. Per, personally, like I think it's even as as a creative, it's really really important to have have that flux throughout the year and not be in this like constant. Um, I don't know. I guess maybe maybe it has something to do like not being in like the most comfortable place at all times. Mm. Um, I feel like if you look at so many like successful artists, it comes from a place of struggle. It comes from a personal struggle, and I think having like your surroundings reflect that as well can can be really beneficial. Um, but back to what you were saying about New York, I mean. It's it's interesting because it has changed so much from like this really like like dirty and dangerous place in the seventies and eighties and I'm not sure how I feel about it. I mean, the what used to attract me to New York and um I mean it's only back in like two thousand ten, eleven, so it's not that far back but like it just seemed to have more grit it seemed to to have some more character and i feel like it's losing that pretty rapidly right now mm. um what is it that's happening <sighs> money changes of culture definitely definitely i mean it seems to be the same thing that happens to all bigger cities it's just the commercialism it's just all those places getting whitewashed and um losing culture losing be- becoming safer but not necessarily i feel like sometimes it's it's not for the better mm. in, in a certain way obviously it's it's good for people to be safe but yeah um it's just being replaced like even if you look at like the williamsburg waterfront um which used to be just a lot more diverse and now it's all those big class high rises and <laughs> i don't know to, to me that's kind of like the the end of, of new york city and um like a world that that we know it's kind of kind of a bit sad seeing seeing the city come come to that place and i feel like um erosion was was one of the films where, where we try to kind of capture some of that it was kind of the past present and future new york and that the future is definitely pretty bleak and just sterile hmm. cameras in every corner. It's all so, like you have surveillance everywhere. It's all sterile. There's no 
nothing happening on the streets anymore. Like if you go to like those those neighborhoods that still have some of the flavor, it's just people playing domino on on, on the corners, just like playing games. It's like it's crazy. Yeah. But I think that there's so much beauty in that. Um and, and seeing that vanish is it's definitely sad. It's definitely had its um it just goes through generational changes and I think it's like every decade or so the city itself really changes form. And it'll probably right. come back to it eventually. Um I think a lot of it just comes from the culture of people and what they're doing and why they're doing what they're doing and I mean I mean New York sparked the graffiti movement, you know, like it is a big part of like hip hop and and like breakdancing and like big American cultural and worldly um, cultural things have come from that city. Um, so th- there's a lot of interesting things. I think it's just change. Change is inevitable. And perhaps it's a sign that we're just getting older too, that we're seeing this change happen before our eyes. And it's just right. something that's like weird and different because <laughs> mm. it is, you know, it's like, um, but I mean, it's, it's kind of like a catch 22 kind of thing, right? It's like you want it to be safe for people but at the same time, safe doesn't mean like, I mean, I guess safe comes with the compromise, you know, it's like you have, you know, with that safety comes like reduction of, you know, certain things, I guess, you know, which is, it's like, you can't have one or the other almost, which is unfortunate, you know? So yeah, it's just part of the, part of the, the, the issue, I guess <laughs> it's something mm-hmm. that I think is just the give and take of, of any city. It happens a lot all, all over the world. I think with multiple cities and it's one thing that when I travel, I really can't stand is seeing like McDonald's and shit at every city. It drives me nuts because it's, or like every city trying to be like parts of LA, which drives me crazy. Right. And it's like, dude, you're not LA. Like, please stop it. Like, just be yourself, you know? And yeah, but it's, um, yeah, I, th- I don't know. It's it's something that I think about a lot too. I personally, for me, I'd rather just live out in the country. So, <laughs> yeah, I'd rather just be on a plot of land, and because I, I can be very insular as well. But I definitely feel that when you're in a city, you're. I think the thing is, you're forced to to adapt to to the world around you, and whether you like it or not, it's just a part of the what you're doing, you know, and it's just a part of the what makes living in a city unique, I guess, um, mm. and being part of that, I guess. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, definitely, definitely interesting. And we'll see. I mean, maybe now it's New York in specific is, is kind of turning into like a, a suburb itself mm. where it's just like, like you said, like bed, bath and beyond, like, <laughs> yeah, like, uh, it's it's crazy. But yeah, we'll see. I'm, I'm sure something is going to come out of it, and with with the new generation, I'm, I'm sure them growing out of it, maybe that maybe there's some creativeness that that gets sparked from it. Yeah, you know? definitely. I mean, it's just a matter of time, really. I think a lot of it too is um, in in the past like 20 years or so. like tell telephones and stuff and having you know like look how different just being on the street is now i think when i was growing up like you didn't have all these distractions and i'm totally dating myself and i don't think there i don't think either is right or wrong i just i'm just dating the obvious is when i was growing up like we didn't have phones youtube all these distractions we basically had our friends in our block or people that were close to us and then we would play out in the street or go out and adventure or whatever it might be. Um, 
and then, you know, video games came in and that definitely kept, you know, lots of kids indoors and all that kind of stuff. But I think more more than now than ever, my daughter's 13 and I just see her and her friends like they'll they they, they consider hanging out when they're just sitting together on their phones, not even talking like that's hanging mm-hmm. out to them, which is totally weird to me. Um, but at the same time, I can't really hate on it because it's just kind of what's normal to them, you know, so. So I think like when you go out in the city, like with New York, for example, like when I was there last, I mean, it's just a lot of people on their phones, really, you know, so there's not a lot of interaction. I think that hybrid cross, you know, cultural interactions, good or bad, I think that's, I think there's a lot of good ones and there's a lot of bad ones as well, too. So it's just a, it's just a mix, I think. And yeah, you get a lot of interesting hybrids and stuff. So, but yeah. yeah, I don't know. It's just a part of it, I guess. I think there's a lot of distractions. People are very distracted more than ever nowadays. Um, what's your take on that? I mean, being a content creator, um, you know, let's say like, for example, like the the job you did with Apple, for example, and mm. um, like making something for their, like what you mentioned, it was for their store in Chicago, like a release or on a wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so they actually, in, in all the new stores, they, they put those, giant screens in there um i think chicago is a smaller one it might be maybe 45 feet wide um san francisco is one of the bigger ones i think it's like 60 65 foot wide a cinemascope widescreen screen it's beautiful um and essentially they they were looking for um content on there so like when when you come into the store you, you see those black and white images on there and it's shit it's it's all shot in slow motion. It's all um, phantom work. Um, and essentially, it feels at first glance, it feels like a still image, mm-hmm. and then you see like a very slow, slight move. But especially because of the scale, like it can't be too fast; otherwise, it becomes jarring. And so it's it's really interesting because those shots are like the polar opposite of where where our um attention and and like our society is going it's very very slow mm. um very like peaceful and and calm and i feel like with my work like i i try to not be too influenced by um how how people want to see it and if a lot of people watch the films on on their phone like can't really do much about it but at least like content wise I'm, I'm not gonna cut it faster or change anything about it um i think so much of the work that i'm interested in like koreanis katsi it is so patient and so slow and you really have to be there to actually get it you're not gonna just watch it on your phone and gonna be stunned by it um doesn't work that way but i think that there's always gonna be a time and place for it and just got to stick to what you actually believe in yeah versus like i don't know yeah well that's a sign of an auteur <laughs> i mean that's exactly what it exactly. is like if you i think if you compromise constantly then you're, you're really just compromising your art form you know and i think um if you look at art in the really core essence of what it is it's it's pure expression like really pure art is just simply pure expression and the moment you start ruining or tarnishing that pure expression is just like, you might as well not even do it. 
Honestly, mm. that's my thought. Right. I'm pretty much a dick about that, though. Because <laughs> I, I can't stand when art is compromised because it's like, oh, well, then why did you even do it? You know, like, why would you even do it if you're compromising it constantly? So, which I understand, and it's, no, I should never be that frigid. I have friends that are like totally like, you know, like, I'm not, I'm trying to find a better word, but it's probably just more or less insulting where they're just like a, like a dog to their clients. Like, there's like, yeah, you know, like, yeah, whatever you say, like you're the best. And, and I think that's totally fine to a certain extent, but uh, oftentimes it's good to remind your clients or just people that like, Hey, this is my vision of the world. You know, like I don't, I don't expect you to get it all the time. I, I, Mm. I watch a lot of, when I first saw like 2001 as a younger kid, I was like, what the fuck is this? I didn't get it at all. I was used to star Mm. Wars and things that were, and I think back then people were probably going like, yeah, you need to cut it faster because kids like faster stuff, you know? Um, and that totally makes sense. But you got to realize like, hey, it doesn't feel right, so I'm not going to do it. So, yeah. And it, you look at like Samsara Baraka or something, it's like, yeah, of course they're not going to be breaking box office records. That's never been the point of them, I think, though. It's about people expressing themselves in whatever natural form they want. And I think that when you watch these things, it's... It's almost like it's um, it's uncompromised, I guess, you know. So it's a fine line, though. I think it's a real fine line. And it's really hard to balance that, wouldn't you say? No, for sure, for sure. Yeah. And, I mean, the, the, the funny thing is Koyanis Katsi is the actual word, like a Hopi word um, that means life out of balance. So mm. it, it, it kind of even plays even more into that. And I think, I mean, personally, like I'm, I'm super fascinated in – in all of the the cultural change, and especially, I mean, Reggio kind of came from like the Native American background, like spending a lot of time with the Hopi people, um, and like randomly, like w- without coincidence, um, like I, I spent some time with um, Lakotas on, on on Pine Ridge, and I'm still working on on a longer project there, and. It's that whole idea of like, what have we lost as a people um, and, and as a culture moving forward with all this technology? And I think there's something very interesting here. I mean, obviously, technology to a certain point is, is amazing and like we all use it, um, but not like losing touch to the, to the earth around us and like to to our surrounding, I think is, is also very, very important. And, I feel like for for me like that that was one of the reasons leaving New York City um, is because you are in this big city you're just so out of touch and like actually living in nature is so much more gratifying and, and meaningful in in a way. Mm. Yeah, it's almost like um, I mean I I think about that all the time too because I, I like. Um, I'm lucky enough where I live pretty close to some really awesome nature. So I try to get up in there as much as possible because, um, there's a real healing process that happens, especially when I'm out shooting too, because I'm very alert and very much in that moment and in that perspective. But yeah, there's, um, I guess in my mind is, is it's almost like there's a weird fight that I constantly have as being a human, obviously is like, um, is it natural? Is, 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 I think it's natural for us to to make these weird things like these cities and stuff. And is it natural to be in these cities and to experience kind of 
the nature of a city, if that makes sense, you know? What I'm getting at is, like, is it natural for us to live and exist in these cities just as natural as it is with nature? And I think what you're saying is there's a total imbalance, which I totally agree, because you feel Mm -hmm. it in the energy. But at the same time, it's almost natural for these cities to have these imbalances, I think. So it's like this conundrum, basically, that I constantly run through my head. Like, you know, what's natural and what isn't? And I don't know. Right. <laughs> sound like I'm like a crazy person constantly having all these weird thoughts in my head. But <laughs> I think that's it again. It's, it's, it's totally an, an enigma for me personally is art and being creative and, and capturing these things. It's, it's what makes it so interesting. Um, oh, and, sure. and the aspect of, of, of doing these things is really interesting, but yeah, I'm curious to see kind of what's going to happen. I'm, I'm, I'm imagining the light was one of your latest pieces and this is shot in upstate. Is that right? Or no, am I wrong? Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, it was half shot. Um, actually in my, it's really funny now to think about it. It was half shot in my old apartment in Brooklyn, um, on, on the roof there and like inside and then the other half was shot in the forest up here in upstate um and also like the the police scene with the guy in like the abandoned house like that's on on my property we have like a old abandoned house in the front like a old building from like 1893 or so it's slowly falling apart yeah 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 yeah. Mm -hmm. um it's very photogenic yeah yeah it's cool though i mean (laughs) it's it's good to see that you're i think i mean that's what i'm getting at too is that like no matter what you're still going to be capturing what you are it's just your character the city the environment that you live within or around is going to change which is evident here so which is really cool yeah and the fog and the trees so so this um i guess we could talk a little bit about technical stuff because i imagine people would be pissed if we didn't because um, I know that's probably got to be one. like what, Hey, what ISO did you use or whatever, you know? So, um, which is a common thing. Sure. So, um, but yeah, I mean, you, you work, um, a lot with like Movi and pretty big, um, high sensor, high frame rate cameras. Right. So with this one, it was the red helium, the, the yeah. light we're talking about. And that shoots at yeah. 8k, which is like ungodly expensive on hard drives. <laughs> <laughs> just 8k res uh that's insane 8k f um at a 24 fps i imagine it goes at 30 i would imagine yeah res. yeah i mean i think for, for that film we didn't shoot any slow motion at all um slow-mo you gotta yeah. kick it down to like six or four k right no 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 you, shoots you can 8K still too? shoot um i forget i think up to 73 or 74 or something like it can shoot 8k and then you have to go to lower it but it's definitely i mean it's crazy that's you, insane <laughs> yeah <laughs> so much you're data. going through those half a te- terabyte um cards in literally no time but <laughs> no it's it's incredible i mean the just the the way technology has changed and i see that i mean from like like for, for me literally my first camera like i, I never owned any stills or video camera until i bought the 70 so that that was literally the first camera i ever touched in my life um and just seeing the progression from there i mean going to the 5d mark iii then shooting raw um with the magic lantern hack for Mm -hmm. like a year or so which was amazing like i'm still looking at that stuff like it's it still holds up somewhat i mean the, the image deteriorates but it's still 
pretty crazy, right? Yeah, I mean, like if if I could only have like if I wouldn't have any money and would just start out as a filmmaker, like having that as an option is incredible. I think it, it's still like one of the like best like entry level um, cameras. That just yeah, yeah, it's incredible what those guys are doing. Um, and then moving on to just like shooting on on Reds and Alexas now a lot. Um, having access to like the Phantom Flex 4K, which was an insane camera. I mean, that, that camera alone is like one of my favorite cameras ever made, um, digital cameras that is. Um, it's incredible. I mean, like being able to shoot 1,200, 1,500 frames, um, but even even shooting 24 frames, that, that camera is just incredible. It looks so beautiful and just allows you to, to capture something that might otherwise just pass by and you wouldn't even notice it, but just by freezing that frame and like can actually be a lot more um, pointed with it. It's really cool. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it does to, to a certain degree, it does come down to tools um, because certain tools definitely allow you to see the, see things that you normally couldn't. Right. I mean, Gregory Crudson's not using like an iPhone to capture his photos. You know, he's, he's <laughs> definitely not. He's definitely using not. a totally different set. So when you look at your his work in comparison, you're like, "How the shit is he getting everything in focus?" You know, it's like, okay, well, it's the gear he's definitely using. So I think a bit of photography, because that's um, as I've been taking photos and sharing it with people, like the, the one of the most common things I just have to just deal with it is. I think people don't even, maybe they do, and I'm hoping they do at least experience the, the photograph in some capacity and some people do, but then a big part of the rest of people are like, Hey, what lens did you use or whatever? And I think, um, for the most part, I tell them what it is obviously, but I, I always, I also say it's like, oftentimes it's just being there, you know, it's a matter of just going out there and like, Oh, where did you shoot that? It's like, Mm. it's the woods like you can shoot anywhere there's woods all <laughs> over the place you know like right. uh, and, and there's fog that exists in woods you got to go early morning before it burns off i mean that's, that's right right yeah i don't know it's like but, i mean the, i don't know what do you think of that no i mean the, it's, it's the beauty of it is that there are so many different levels to it like yeah. literally you, you could just go out by yourself with a camera and a lens doesn't even have to be a good camera or a good lens doesn't even matter but just with your eye like you're able to capture something that exists whether it be nature or um people in in a city like you're able to to create something really incredible just through timing and and your eye but then you look at like you mentioned um gregory crudson who essentially builds entire film sets. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's pretty in, much. In, insane. Like he puts <laughs> so much effort into a single frame. You could shoot an entire scene for a feature film there, but he just takes one photo that he works on for, I don't know. I, I read something about it. It was something crazy. They, they work on a stage and they, they shoot like a photo every four or five days or so. Yeah. It, it was incredible i mean so much effort and so much work and detail put into one single frame and he, he gets those completely surreal and, and really beautiful and, and inspiring moments out of it i mean it's far from natural it's far from natural it. yeah it's very painterly yeah right but there's still but, like this weird candidness that happens from his photos I think. Yeah. but i think it's a subject matter though right 
think it's yeah. normal people people with de like defected you know just they just look aged and there's a there's something to them there's a lot of character um but i think it's just yeah it's definitely a part of his work which is really unique is he's one of the first photographers beyond obviously like the typical ansel adams which i think right. everybody's he's it's kind of crazy he's a photographer the household name um right. he also has a very unique name but um yeah like uh gregory's work is one of those photographers i was like wow okay like he's really taking it to that level that matches like painting you know i i felt really or like what i love about film and i think it's a problem with um and i'm curious to think of hear what you think about it is like how important is the craft and how important is the art and i do i think you mentioned earlier it's like a blend of the two but how important is is that when it comes to photography knowing the craft and then knowing the art <sighs> it's a tricky one um in in a certain way i feel like especially if you're on your own and you you have all the time you, you might actually get by with most of the art and less of the craft um and, and just by actually finding that moment i feel like it really like when, when, once you're in like moving from like your smaller personal projects onto like a bigger commercial shoot that's that's where it actually becomes like a, a bigger issue and if you don't know your craft then then you actually in, in trouble um i feel like you can kind of see that with the the younger generation as well like people are just coming up shooting their own projects and then they're suddenly thrown into like getting an actual like, commercial gig but they've never used any any actual film lights or anything yeah um yeah it's an interesting like um conundrum i guess Another one. <laughs> it's another one to think about. Um, I really love your blog too, how open you are with the information that you make. The Brooklyn Aerials blog, which I think is really, shares a lot of really interesting information. Um, I really enjoy like this the process, like of when you're showing kind of which lights you used and how you use them for, say, like for light um, for the short, uh, yeah. our memoirs um, as well, which I think. Um, I think it was shot entirely with drone lighting, right? Exactly. Yeah. Just yeah. gives a very like the, interesting look. It's very unique. Yeah. It, it kind of goes back to the whole um, Gregory Crutzen, um look. I feel like he, he has something so strange and controlled, but just like otherworldly to, to his images. And I feel like the the drone lights are an element that can actually bring that to to a film shoot as well yes totally. which is really interesting because it's it's a source that you're not used to seeing like exactly. first of all the positioning the movement of of light it's very odd um and sure like in in like back in the days you could have put like a big old condor in there and <laughs> put an 18k up or, or sure. something but it's different and I'm personally super excited by by that whole movement and building a like spending a lot of time here in my workshop just building new lights, trying new things, and it's really it's really cool. Yeah, um, it's very cool. 
there's a couple really beautiful shots. I mean, the whole thing's got some beautiful shots in it. I love when the older guy is standing on the standing in the middle of the tracks with that top light just right down on him. I mean, there's that and that top shot of the house that's totally ripped. It's like, dude, what the heck? <laughs> some really crazy stuff in here, and just having that, uh, having that um that ability to capture that light is is very unique it's very different um super trippy um because of what it is it's it really inspired me to think about things too in regards to light and i always say to myself um when i'm out taking photographs and stuff or shooting video is to stay optimistic and one of the things i always run through my mind whenever i'm like trying to find something it's like if there's light then there's a photo there's a photograph you just have to be able to see it and mm. i think if you can create the light then you can really you're you're in a really unique space with create creating things which you're able to really manipulate it like gregory would yeah. do or whatever um but at the same time i think managing to capture um the look and feel of it um, I think it's really unique. It'd be kind of cool to see what you and Gregory would do. You, you reach out to him. I think he's up in that area where you live. Is he? I think so. He's an, he's a, he's out, he's an East coast guy. So, and it's pretty, everything's pretty close up there. You might be in Maine or something like that, but Maine is like just a drive away from upstate New York, isn't it? I think it's pretty close. It is. It is. Yeah. yeah I you should reach out to should. him. It'd be really cool to see what you guys would collaborate. Cause especially, I think memoirs, I think, I imagine you've probably even seen it. I, would, I hope so. But yeah, I mean, it's got to be interesting for somebody like him who's come from still photography. And he was heavily influenced by David Lynch's film, um, Blue, Blue Velvet. Yeah, I think it's Blue Velvet that he was heavily influenced by. That's kind of what spearheaded a lot of his earlier photography that now has obviously become a totally different thing. Um, com- you know, his, his work has completely evolved as it goes. Same kind of concept, but the art of it is completely evolved. So, um, yeah. Where do, where do you see all this stuff going? I mean, so much of it is the gear part and all that stuff, but where do you see this going? Is 360 cam the thing VR? Is that going there? What do you, what do you see? Where are we going to be in about five to 10 years? I'm, I'm going to be very honest about the, the whole VR thing. I mean, I've spent some time, um, like working with a, um, shot a film for oculus a few years ago like i think back in 2015 or 2016 i spent a few weeks out at the the facebook campus out there and just like seeing seeing a lot of the tech that they're working with um it's interesting but so far like it still feels very similar to 3d to me like it's, it's very gimmicky and everything i've seen i don't know i i, I honestly don't really see it like being the the main thing in, in the future. Yeah. To to me, like uh, filmmaking is still like a very like two dimensional thing. Um, and having having somebody in there, um, that actively chooses the the framing for you, I think is such a. I don't know. There's something so like unique and important about it. Yeah. Um. Well, you're seeing a vision, you're seeing a lens, you know, I think that's, right. you're, you're basically being ushered along. Whereas like the VR, you're basically the usher and you're, you're having to use other cues. I would, I would, I would equate it to almost a, akin to 
when film was the king and then digital started coming in and, and people were fighting that and it did look gimmicky and looked shit. It totally did. But now look where it's at. It's gotten so much better, you know? Right. And I mean, you look at, you know, Roger Deakins uses the Alexa. I mean, uh, and you, you see it in the work. There's definitely a total difference between like Lawrence of Arabia and anything digital out there. So there's still a gap. I wouldn't sure. say one's better than the other though at this point, because I think it's, if you really think about the art form, it's a matter of communicating ideas and really getting those things out there. So I still think that the ideas are coming out. I think that, you know, it's insane. I've worked with the red, I've worked with the Alexa a long time ago. Definitely insane what you get from it. I just bought a Sony A7 III and it's insane. It's like a mini Alexa. I can't like believe what I'm able to get with this little thing. Hmm. Um, and so I don't know, but I, I definitely feel like it's in that early stage and I think it's going to evolve. And I think that it would be really interesting to see kind of what you do with that space. It's cool to hear that you went out there and ex- worked with them. And, and I totally agree. I've done the same thing and I'm like, this feels very shit. It's very gimmicky, but right. it doesn't mean that it's not going to get better. And I think a lot right. of, I think a lot of what we're going to experience in the future is going to be much more immersive. And I think mer- immersion is going to come from having like a, a, not 360 maybe, but like a 180, you know, Right. Like a frontal, yeah. like full on, like getting to look around just the front version, you know, so you don't see all the camera gear people behind you, you know, capturing the footage that you're seeing. But yeah, I don't know. It's a- no, no, for sure. And I mean, te- technology is changing so fast. And I totally agree about the whole film versus digital thing. Um, but in the end, like it's still kind of the same medium. Like you're still, you're still in a cinema or on your tv at home just looking at the screen like the doesn't really i mean obviously like the feel of it changes but it's still like the same medium and vr we'll 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 see where it goes i feel like once once they actually get to a point um where it's not just animations but actually like 3d um full-on vr um narratives that they can produce I'm, I'm sure it could be interesting. Yeah. And I guess so much of, of the, the work is going towards uh, green screen and CG world. I mean, look at Jungle Book, for example. Like that is something that would be a lot easier to actually make into like a full on VR film. Yeah. Um, whereas like you have like classic narratives. Um, yeah. Yeah, a lot of it's just going to come down to story too, because we, you know, a a good story trumps it all, anyways. I think real time, I think real time photogrammetry, I think real time photogrammetry at high res is going to really help. Mm -hmm. So much of CGI, the biggest bitch of it, and I know it first and foremost because I do a lot of this stuff, is like you you have to you start from nothing, you know, which is what I love about photography because you just go out there and you like have the most amazing shit. (laughs) this is great i just take a picture and then it's done you know whereas in 3d you have to go all right now i need to model this and like modeling sucks and then you got a uv um uv sucks and you got texture it's like oh that sucks too (laughs) and then you got to do all these things and then like finally you come to the end you start to see it it's a total long journey but i think photogrammetry is going to be definitely a game changer and unreal Mm. engine all is there's a lot of really interesting things that are going on but i'm just more or less i think it's it's a very curious time because i think we're right on the the cusp we're going to see a big shift and change in how people consume things and it's going to be 
I feel like it's very akin to when people would listen to the radio and the serials on radio. And then when the TV was like brought the radio to visuals, you know, and it merged the two. Um, I think that we're in this weird spot where what's normal to you and I, which I totally agree and I love, is seeing the director's perspective and lens. But the next generation, I think, is going to be their own creators and their own immersive creators. And I don't know, I could be completely wrong, but I think that's probably where it's going to head because I just see where everything's going. But it also scares me because it's changed at the same time, like, you know, where, where does that leave for people like David Fincher or people that I enjoy watching films from, you know, um, what does the art form do to their work and does it affect it in a negative way? But right. I mean, right. no, it, it's yeah. part of it. I mean, there, there, there's so many different nuances of it as well. Yeah. I think if, if you listen to like the, the hardcore VR guys, like for example, the, the Oculus guys, like, they see a hundred percent of the future um, in in VR and like products like the Oculus Rift, where it's nearly like a item like a microwave that every house is just gonna have it and it's normal. Um, but at the same point, like there is something kind of scary to it. Not not only because like we lose so much of the old craft and, and it's being used in, in a different way, but like if you look at it from like a bigger um, picture standpoint, just what they're talking about is like dating in the future could be all through VR. That which is sounds good for me. I have a daughter, so that sounds <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah sign me up for that. <laughs> no, I mean or, it's, that's horrible. Or, it's very dark or, mirror. I mean, like even, even like um, traveling. Yeah. Where, where, where they're saying it's like, well, every person, like whether they're handicapped or maybe don't have the resources to travel, they suddenly they're going to be able to like see the top of on Everest, for example, mm. where it's like not really kind of missing that, that the entire point of it. Yes. That it's not even being about like being up there. It's like so much of it is the, the struggle. It's the journey. Yes. And actually being on top of Mount Everest, I think it isn't as meaningful or doesn't have any meaning whatsoever. Yeah. Um, if, if you just pop a VR camera up there. So I don't know. No, you're, you're, you're totally right. And I, and I don't think it's because we're older and have that perspective. I just think it's generally a true statement. And it's something that I fight with all the time because the uncanny life is weird. And I don't know if it's necessarily healthy for the human condition to have things like that instantaneously. And I think a lot of what we see in civil unrest and like all this stuff that happens in social media, which is Social media sucks for the most part, in my opinion. I think it's a broken thing. It's weird <laughs> because I think the internet itself is too, is very, it's very new to the human experience as well. Um, it's got good things and bad things, but I think for the most part, it's a weird system that's not, it's kind of just doesn't work very well. But anyways, I think a lot of it is because that exactly, that exact point is that you don't get to earn those things when you're out there on your photo shoot or you're taking video and you capture that one amazing shot it's it's all put to the years and years of capturing shit <laughs> you know it's like you got you you base all that ego when you capture that like gold you're like ah oh, i captured that gold this is great and that's mm -hmm. that's due to the fact that the reason why you appreciate it so much is not because it's the gold that you captured necessarily but it's because like you know the feeling on the opposite side of that spectrum 
<laughs> you know? Right. And right. and I think that's part of the journey of it. And I think that's a part of the of the craft I think is is very romantic and very true. And I think it's something that I think most people in general, myself included, I'm willing to deal with it, but don't want to deal with because it's just it's it's putting in the time, you know. And we all want things so instantaneously, you know, and I think that really great art takes time, takes a lot of failure. It takes a lot of work and heart and and effort. And I think that's really the energy that gets exchanged when somebody sees your work on the other side, you know, they go, wow, that's really crazy. Like, and you take, you took the risk to take that big, like hundred thousand dollar camera up into the air and throw it around and, you know, like using all this cutting edge gear and technology and stuff, which is really cool. So, but it's. I don't know. It's a, it's an interesting thing. Definitely a conundrum. So no, I, I mean, <laughs> so much gets lost with um, social media as well. I mean, yeah. if you if you look at it right now, like you just open your Instagram, and it's such a. I mean, you, you essentially look at like the best thing that every person is doing, and it's such a. I don't know. I'm missing the the word for it right now, but organized and um jeez what's the word um doesn't come to me um what are you going for you're talking about like the just the the womb basically like having everybody's like all everybody's best work being presented all the time and not their worst right 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 yeah you you're getting such a filtered view and I don't know, life just seems so perfect mm. and you're basically missing so much of the like struggle and so much of the, the other side of, of life and, and creating and everything. I mean, it's, it's a very bizarre thing. I mean, social media and, and especially like Facebook, Instagram, like it's, it's very strange to me. Yeah. Same. I mean, it's, it's, um, yeah, it's a that's got some really great things connecting people and and like say like this podcast for example like or using Vimeo as a social because I mean Vimeo is kind of that way too. Everybody's showcasing their best work for the most part, you know. Then if your work isn't good and it's, it just doesn't get seen, doesn't get noticed, um, right. I think a lot of it's due to the design of it too. And I think um, even like with Facebook, like the whole like thing, you know, um, mm-hmm. um, we see it within like communication with emojis and all that kind of stuff it's just a really interesting thing i don't know if it's right or wrong i just i mean i i i guess i i I guess if i'm being completely honest i don't really like it (laughs) but i'm so integrated into this system that i I should just shut up i should stop bitching about it you know so (laughs) it's like a it's like a you know that's difficult what's the alternative exactly the alternative is like we, we miss the cusp of like, and I talked about this a lot with one of my buddies um, recently. He, he was saying like the, the time of being able to be a, like a rock star is very, very difficult more than ever. And just to create like a person that could create a lot of energy off of their own. Like you have to be a complete asshat, like douchebag weirdo or some kind of like weird meme on the internet in order to create enough energy. You'd be, have to be like this crazy egomaniac you know, to, to really, um, capture the energy of like these, you know, the likes and all that kind of stuff. But if you went off and just started like, I don't know, let's say like Gregor Crutzen before Gregor Crutzen, um, went off and took photos. It's, if you started from nothing, 
it would just take so long, you know, to actually build a following, to be able to get like, to do that stuff for a living. Um, but I mean, maybe it took that long before all this, you know, and maybe there's a, a thing that's akin to that as well. It's like, it just all takes time and it's all part of the, the journey and the process. And I mean, I talk about this a lot with my friends too, is like, does posting on social media even affect you, you know? Mm. Um, and how much of it does it, you know? So I don't know. It's just, it's an interesting thing. It's something I think about a lot. Um, and I'm just trying to come to terms with like how much time should be put to that and you know, what really matters in your perspective, in your mind, what really does matter um, to you? Like what would you, if you had in a perfect day uh, from start to end, where, where do you put your time and, and why? I mean, Probably the the most important for 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 me right now is definitely just spending quality time with family. Mm. I think that that is one thing that is just so gratifying and and so important. Um, I have a three year old son and mm. another another baby coming at oh, the end of July and busy. I mean, th- yeah, <laughs> I mean that, that 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 alone is just. So beautiful and, and so gratifying. Um, and then in, in between that, finding time for yourself, just quiet and just being able to to collect your thoughts, being able to create new things and just experiment. I mean, I think so much of my work is trying to capture something that has been already shot a million times. I mean. Hmm. look at new york city it's like how often like the empire state building has been shot (laughs) so many times and like how 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 can we shoot it in a different way that nobody has done yet and that is still evoking something and i think that's that's really interesting and at the end of the day if you're able to balance those two worlds your your private life with your family and creating something that you're happy with I think that's that's the ultimate goal. Hmm. Um, that's awesome. Well, it seems is, like you're getting it more, you know, since you have your family and now you're a little bit away from all that. It's going to be, I'm really curious to see what that's going to do to your art because it's going to definitely, um, it's going to change and adjust no matter what, you know. It's just a part of it, which is really cool. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely fun. And I'm, I'm still going back to, you, to New York quite a bit. Um, it's not too far, yeah. No, no, no. It's like it's a two and a half hour drive. Um, like, for example, I shot the Vortex piece there. Um, I think it was last November. Hmm. Um, it was shot on an iPhone. And just yeah, like, we should talk about that. So how'd that come about and why do you choose to use the iPhone? Um, and obviously you're using some sort of like, um, it's not coming straight raw out of the camera, right? Like, or like out of the phone using some kind of app for that or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, using the Filmic Pro app, um, which basically allows you to shoot at a higher bit rate. Um, you have control over your shutter speed and ISO, color balance, um, and so on. And essentially that the project was, again, similar to other projects. Um, FreeFlight was coming out with an um, iPhone gimbal. Um, and they asked me if... I had a day to to do something with it, and the interesting thing is, personally, I I have no interest shooting anything on 
on an iPhone um, <laughs> just because it's, it's, it's kind of a pain. Yeah. Um, it's actually very convenient, but the, uh, the, the quality that you get out of it, it's pretty crazy what you get, but yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, definitely. When, when it works, it's amazing, yeah. but when it doesn't work, it's the most frustrating. I mean, <laughs> I had so many moments where I was on a train and it, was, it would take me like 45 minutes to get to a certain point and I would hit record and the app would just crash and <laughs> I would have to do it over and that happened like four times in a row. Oh. Um, <laughs> so it's the app, then the app is finicky. Um, That's part of it. And then one of the big issues is that they have a floating lens, mm. um, which actually is really, really delicate. So you don't really notice it when you shoot like normal video or even photos with your phone. But once you put it on a stabilizer, any kind of just bump, like if you don't walk very smoothly, it's going to look really bad. Mm. Um, it's going to have a lot of jello and like rolling shutter issues. So you just have to be really, really careful with it. Um, the, the fix for it all was it just bought like one of the small segways and just took that around the city and was just riding on the, on the segway with this movie stabilizer to do those continuous 360 spins and that that was really the the main reason why why I did the project because there wasn't really a gimbal that that wasn't crazy big that could do continuous 360 spins yeah. um like rot- rotational barrel rolls which was pretty interesting to me yeah um but yeah def- def- definitely tricky um yeah i just figured out how to set up my zune crane there's it doesn't do 360 until you have to switch the position of the camera on the gimbal. Normally, you go, it goes one way, it goes forward. You have to you have to basically rotate it to get the rotation. And it doesn't do a full 360, but it does enough. And it'll rotate like it holds seven pounds, so it'll at least do that. So that's great. But yeah, so I'd imagine with the, the iPhone, I think the, the cool thing I would imagine with the iPhone is you don't have all that gear and cables and batteries and all that extra crap everywhere. So that's right. really nice, the convenience aspect. And at the same time, it's a smaller piece of gear, so you could be a little bit more incognito. Not the Segway, but um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's always something. <laughs> it's like, damn it. <laughs> yeah, the Segway, yeah. Is, that's the jam to get the super smooth stuff, though. All my buddies use the Segway to get like the super smooth, buttery tracks and stuff. So yeah, it's pretty crazy. But yeah, no, I mean, I remember watching that going, this is awesome. And then, oh, damn, with the iPhone, very cool. Very cool. <laughs> <laughs> I think it just turns yeah. it up a couple notches. iPhone, um, what's the best setting like for time to shoot? Because it, it doesn't have, well, it has like nine stops of dynamic range or something like that. It doesn't have a huge dynamic range, right? So you can't be, you have to pick and choose basically, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's definitely not ideal. I think... <laughs> For the actual project, I didn't even have any NDs or anything. So you just have to go to the lowest ISO and just crank up your shutter speed all the way, which is definitely not the, the <laughs> ideal way to shoot. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes. Um, shutter crime. After, yeah. <laughs> yeah. After the project, I... Uh, moments the the guys that make um some some of the best um iphone lenses they, they sent me some NDs, but unfortunately it was after the project not before the project uh. um but it's <laughs> cool i mean like there, there are definitely people out there that use it um a friend of mine mishka kornai who's a um la-based director he was shooting a project in montreal actually in the subway and 
he gets incredible stuff out of it. I mean, they weren't able to shoot with normal cameras down there just because you couldn't really permit it. And it was just their workaround to film in that incredible space. And they used, I think, just simple like DJI stabilizers, Osmo, whatever it is. And the iPhone, it looks incredible. I'll, I'll have to send it to you. I'm not sure if it's released yet, but it's... Yeah, I'd love to see it. It's really interesting. So there, there are definitely people out there that know how to use it and makes make some amazing art with it. That's awesome. It's like cool. any tool, though. I mean, it's like in any camera. I think it's like the the more time you get with it, the more familiar you are with its parameters, and just the more you're able to okay, this thing works with that. And like, even for like, um, have you played with the Sony stuff? Because like the Sony bodies, like they have like forty different fucking color f- setups, and like you have like infinite amounts of adjustments um yeah you have like yeah. s log one two three you have hlg one two three like you have like um right. it just and then inside those parameters you have tons and so like for me and and um ozan and i have been talking a lot because he just got the same camera too and we're just constantly like okay what about that setting what about this like <laughs> and we're constantly and i think what it comes down to is just like got to go out there got to shoot a lot got to fail got to see its parameters got to understand how to color um grade and all that stuff which i'm learning resolve right now too which is it's a oh, whole other thing resolve is incredible it's probably one of the it's, best programs <laughs> and it's free uh, yeah <laughs> well i mean it costs 300 bucks or something which is incredibly cheap for what you get at the end of it but yeah do you do your grading yourself as well <laughs> um most of it most of it yeah i it's actually funny i love resolve that's one of my biggest things i mean if i if i wouldn't be shooting or actually creating anything i feel like like creative coloring is some of the most gratifying and and wonderful things i mean you're just able to take a fairly bland photo or or video and and just create something so much more dynamic out of it yeah um it's pretty cool especially black and white um creating like there's there's so much that you can do with masking in in resolve um that that looks a bit more subtle than if you do it in, in color, but just bringing out different highlights and just making one part pop more. It, it, it's really cool. Re- Resolve is definitely one of the, the coolest programs out there right now. Yeah. I find it. I, I love doing that because it just feels very, um, I don't know. It just feels like, uh, it's very, um, therapeutic to me. I don't know if the same way it's it's I get the same kind of fun enjoyment when I'm out shooting. I, I say I always tell myself there's two photographers. There's one in the field and there's one in the office, you know, so <laughs> and like I feel like there's definitely a really cool exchange and feeling that you, I get personally when I'm um, at home and just kind of seeing what I captured and then polishing it basically um yeah yeah no it's interesting i mean just looking at like stills photographers like today like on on so many sets you have your video component and then they also have a shooting the the stills campaign at the same time and you Mm. just see the photographer and they don't even light it much oftentimes they just like jump in take a couple photos and then you see the end result after it's graded and they they have so many options especially in a still i mean they 
just completely relight the entire photo in, in post. It's incredible. It's, yeah. It doesn't make any sense, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when you're shooting raw, you have so much information everywhere. Um, as long as you yeah. don't clip uh, out your information, you, you, you've, I mean, it's pretty crazy when shooting with this camera too. It's like if I expose for my highlights, the darks have so much information. It looks black and then you just lift it and I can't keep getting more and more. Obviously it gets noisier, um, but it's, it's just really insane. There's no excuse, yeah. really. I always tell myself, too, it's like when I look at some of my film her- heroes, um, when they started out, let's say, like Steven Spielberg or George Lucas. I mean, the gear we have is far superior. So there's no excuse why we would not be making work as good, if not better. Um, the tool shouldn't be the, in the way. I mean, you could say, obviously, like um, some of those original, authentic, real film things are better. In certain capacity, they do have more character and stuff. But it's not like you can't and you can't put that into the to the digital work. I think people and pioneers of digital have always seen that digital stuff isn't about necessarily being better than film. It's a matter of having more options mm. and being able to capture more options. Um, I think any director that has a brain would be like, man, you want more time and more ability to do like more stuff, you know, to have more options basically. Um, right. And the more options you have, the better I think. So, but yeah, yeah. yeah man, yeah, it's, we, we should uh, definitely do something together in the near future. It's funny cause we know uh, Ozon together and I also know Brad too. So um, and the guys at free fly, free fly and stuff. Cause Brad and Henning came out and shot all these aerials way back in the day with this, the 5d when we shot this film that we did up in a uh, near um, where David Lynch did twin peaks. So yeah, oh, man. yeah long you, time you, ago, you know, you know, Henning as well. Yes. Henning's amazing. <laughs> we love Henning. He's so cool. He is such a good dude. Yeah. So also nice. like I think he, he, he's also one of those guys that just like perfectly blends the creative and, and, and gear aspect. I mean, he has such amazing ideas, um, technically amazing ideas, and then just brings them to life in a very creative and artistic way. Yes. Very, very sweet human being and amazing creative. We love working with him. It was just like an awesome couple of days out in like the crazy woods getting weird, maddening shots. Um, yeah. And, and it was put a lot of stress on Brad too. It was a lot of fun because <laughs> we were really testing a lot of stuff too. And it was very early days, I think on some of the gear that we were using. So it just like, you know, it just took a long time to get calibrated and set up. And then once it did, it was going. And then it's like, you know, it's just working within those parameters where we were in a car, I was driving the rental car, Brad's in the passenger seat. We're up in the, the woods we're driving he's looking out the window following the, off of his like um he had his controller in his lap but we're also like following the car and driving the other car without walkie-talkie so he had a text message basically kind of <laughs> okay go or like we, we used a system of like flashing the lights and stuff and honking like two honks is go one honk is stop and like yeah and, but we ended up getting the shots we wanted which is great and um yeah it was just again i think that's the one thing when I go out and we're filming one of my favorite things is like bringing together friends, going out and experiencing things that you normally wouldn't. And I think that's mm. a really, really incredibly important part of the the creative experience is getting off of your ass, getting out of the computer, getting out of the office and going to have adventures with your friends or people that you enjoy time with and making art. I, I would 
I think that's probably like one of my favorite things in the world is that right, right. there. Um, right. No, I mean, that's, that's, that's what we live for. I feel like the, the light film was like the perfect culmination of it all. Like just getting all friends, all the best people that I know together and just crashing in an Airbnb together in, <laughs> in the middle of nowhere and just creating something. It's awesome. We've never done that before, but let's see if it works. And if it works, it's going to be awesome. If it doesn't, well, so be it. But yeah, I think you yeah. get to the point now. It's just like it's 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 going to work because of the years you put in. So you kind of understand what it is to make that type of work work, basically, which is awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, no, very cool, dude. I really cool. appreciate you coming on here, and definitely let's keep in touch. And I'm excited to see kind of where your art's going to evolve um, from all this stuff and you know changes in your life and stuff and having growing family and stuff it's really cool man so but um yeah thank you for coming on and sharing your time and um yeah i'm just looking forward to it dude thanks so much for having me it was a pleasure and there you have it everyone big thank yous to tim for coming on the show and sharing his time with us this week you can find links to the show notes for this week's episode at the collectivepodcast.com slash 183 along with links to our facebook twitter and itunes podcast page have an amazing day everybody go out there be powerful be prolific peace out everyone